pray for Graham as well quickly. Thank you, Lord, for Graham, for um, his obedience to your word and his commitment to your kingdom. Pray, Lord, that in this time that he's going to share with us, may you speak through him. May you, yeah, give him a good time while he shares, and may he also learn himself while he shares with us. So bless this time, Lord, and um, may we be obedient to whatever you have to say to us as well, and may our hearts be the, the, the good ground that can take on the word and make good use of it in our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Josh. Uh, hi, everyone. How are you? Great to see you all. Nice to ha have some, uh, some visitors and some folks that we don't see so often. So, great. Welcome. Good to have you all here. Um, I just want to pick up a on a couple of the notices that uh, Josh mentioned right at the beginning. Let's give it a little bit more explanation. Uh, let me first tell you about ROC, R-O-C, uh, Redeeming Our Communities. This is, this is really exciting. I mean, this is, this is a big thing. Um, there, this organization was started some years ago, and uh, the reason, I mean, I don't like us to brag, but the reason it's coming to Worcester is because of City Church. And it was some people from City Church that heard uh, Deborah Green, who uh, leads the whole thing, speaking, and we thought, uh, we need to get that in Worcester. And what happens is you get, um, it's an initiative from the churches, but it draws together all kinds of other people from, um, from statutory bodies and voluntary organizations and just a whole load of people who care about the city one way or another. And it brings those people together to say, what's good that's happening in the city and, and what's missing? And how can we help each other? Because often these people, and people just don't know about us and we don't know about them and they don't realize what's going on. They don't realize we run a toddler group and we have Friday Friendship and we do a whole load of other things and that all the other churches do a load of stuff. And we meet with the, um, the police and the fire service and all the voluntary organizations and the health service and everybody else. On Monday, that's tomorrow, um, we've got 220 people coming together for a conversation. 220 people. Yes, you can get excited about that. So if you're not going, you should all be going to join Sue to pray for it because this is really significant to, um, to have this happening in our city on the, the base of all the, the kind of good relationships that, that there are. So we're going to pray for it right now. By the way, if you're about to time me and say, how long is Graham going to speak for? This doesn't count, okay? Um, so I'll tell you when I'm going to start, but we're, we're going to pray now. Actually, um, let's stand, because I think this is a good thing. Even I'm going to stand, and that's quite something. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to have all these people come together to see what we can do to bring goodness into this city, to bring the goodness of God out and to have it better known in the city. And ultimately, we pray that there will be eternal fruit that comes from this there'll be people who come to know you because of what happens but but we want there to be blessing and benefit to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people across the city and we pray for tomorrow night that you will be uh, throughout the conversations that, that go on on all the the tables the whole thing's divided up into different tables through all the tables and all the the uh, the interactions that go on may you be glorified amen Amen. Okay, thank you. Um, so that's great. That's happening. And then the other thing that's happening this week is uh, the start of a, a week of praying, particularly 
for this whole business of a new building that we're looking for. Now, the reason we've, we're starting it this week, it, it just feels, you know, we, we're through most of the, the effects of the pandemic. People can meet together. We can, uh, we can begin to think about the future in a slightly different way. And um, in practical terms, we're almost at the point where the planning permission, or we hope the planning permission is gonna be granted for Lindisfarne House. And it just seemed like a good time to have something that was focused and short and easy to participate in so that we could start on the journey. This will not be a quick journey, okay? It will not be a quick journey. It already hasn't been a quick journey, believe me. Um, we've been <laughs> just trying to talk about Lindisfarne House and get some plans drawn up and some planning permissions on. It just seems to take forever. For, for instance, we had a guy come to, we had to have a tree survey done. They had to look at our trees and say, yeah, that's a tree and it's, it's all right. It's not gonna fall over. It's not gonna uh, need chopping down and uh, we're, we're okay with this. So the guy came and did that and we had to pay something for it. But then the poor chap got COVID and couldn't make his report and now he's recovered thankfully and he can make his report and everything just seems to to get dragged out so on friday we're going to talk about the practicalities we'll try and bring everybody up to speed we'll answer all the questions that we can answer uh, we'll find out some of the questions that we can't answer and um, then we'll pray and then through the week at the times that were up behind me uh, they're probably not there now but uh, through the week uh, the details are in uh, city news and they're oh there they are and um, it's in church week wherever you look it'll be there uh, please let's start to, to get involved we have to own this people this is this isn't going to happen unless we get together with the Lord and say Lord this is what we want um, anybody that's seen any other churches go through the whole business of trying to acquire buildings or or move buildings, or even build buildings, um, you will have seen that it is a challenge, and there's often a lot of struggle. And uh, this is it, folks. Um, so let's, if you can't make it on Friday, we're going to record it, it'll be available. But if you can make it, that'll be great. And if you can get to some of the others, either online or in person, and then we'll finish on Friday uh, with some worship and some praying together. That won't be the end of it. Believe me, there will be a lot more praying that needs to go on. But uh, this is a real launch for it. And um, the reason we're calling it the Steeple Project is not necessarily because we want to buy a building with a steeple. But, um, uh, uh, where is it? Oh, you're there. There you are, Noah. I'm, I'm looking for Noah because it was, it was him that said this. When we, with the leadership, we were talking about this. And, uh, excuse me, <coughs> he said... We have to find our steeple. And uh, we, we like that phrase and we, we took hold of it because a steeple is what lets you know where the church are. And, and we want to let people know that the church is here and that we're here because we're representing Jesus and that Jesus loves them and that Jesus can bring uh, salvation and healing and help and redemption and, and all those things into their lives. So that's why we're calling it the Steeple Project. And if you don't like it, well, we can change it. But actually, we rather like it. So uh, there, there's the explanation. If you've got any questions, save them for now, bring them on Friday, and we'll do our best to answer them then. Okay. Right, you can start timing now. We have been looking at some things that Jesus said. Isn't it interesting looking at stuff Jesus said? 
Okay, thank you. Thanks for, for that just overwhelming uh, response and enthusiasm. That's, I think it's interesting looking at what Jesus said. I think a lot about what Jesus said. And I hope that this is stimulating you to think about the things Jesus said as well. Don't just listen for 20 minutes or 10 minutes if it's a live stream and then go away and forget about it. Uh, in the New Testament, that's, that's called looking in a mirror and then going away and forgetting what you look like. Um, we want to focus on stuff that Jesus said because we think he was pretty important and so what he had to say was pretty important. So uh, the thing that we're looking at this week and I'm trying, I've got quite a lot of bits of the Bible to read out. Some of them will be familiar to some of you, some of them won't. Um, but I think it's important that we, we look at not only what Jesus said, but what those who knew him and met him had to say about what he said. But what we are starting with is this. It's in uh, John's Gospel, and my piece of paper, which I've just dropped on the floor, would tell me that it's chapter 19, I think it's verse 30. And uh, where are we? Here we are. When Jesus had tasted uh, the wine that was offered to him, he said, it is finished. Just three words. It is finished. So Jesus is on the cross. He's been through the, I'm just checking the time. Okay, he's been through the agony of crucifixion, and not just the physical agony of that, but the, the incredible agony of the, the weight of the world's wrongdoing and rebellion and sinfulness. And he has carried that. The one who, who never had any separation between him and his father, he had borne that, not just for me and for you, but for not even for people alone, though it shows through people, but for the, the whole redemption of the world. Everything. When sin came into the world and just screwed everything up, everything that needed to be put right, Jesus was carrying all of that. And he got to this final point when his physical, earthly life was finishing. And he said, it is finished. It's a... It's a declaration. I don't know what physical energy he had to put into that statement. I don't know whether it was said aloud or not. It, it says he, he cried out. I, I don't know. But it's recorded by John because it's a, it's a final statement. And there's something really significant in what he was finalizing. So the question is, what was finished? What is it that was finished? I think there are two aspects of it. I'm going to focus a little bit on one which might seem the obvious one and then I'm going to go back because uh, there's something else I want to pick up. What was finished was the, the power of death and sin. Jesus, Jesus in what he did, and I have to be really quick here so I'm skating over a load of stuff. If you want to know more just go and read your Bible and, and, and go away and, and ask the Lord about it and, and find out more. But what he was saying was everything that opposed mankind knowing God is done with. It has no more power. He completely disarmed it. Um, in one of the, uh, 
the epistles, it talks, uh, Paul talks about all of the accusations against us, against humanity, were taken and nailed to the cross. They used to nail onto the cross the accusations against the person who was on the cross. So that's why Jesus had, um, they put a sign up saying, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. And the Jews complained. They said, no, you should say that he claimed to be King of the Jews. And the, the Romans said, no, we've, what we've written, we've written. It stands. But normally, the person's crimes were nailed to the cross. What Jesus did is he took every crime that stood against me and against you, and he nailed that to the cross. So those crimes were paid for. Those crimes were done for. Uh, let me read to you from Ephesians 2. I'm going to have to get a Bible with bigger uh, letters, believe me. This is Ephesians 2. If you haven't read this recently, I think you should read it every day for a month because it is so good. In fact, the whole of uh, certainly Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 doesn't take long. Uh, just read it through because it will do you so much good. God is so rich in mercy, so rich in mercy, that he, and he loved us so much, even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So stop and think about that for a minute. This isn't actually the point of the sermon, but... Uh, this is so good. You can't, you can't just pass over this. We're sitting here in a, in a lovely building in Worcester. But we're seated. We have the authority of being seated in the place of heaven. With Jesus and the Father in heaven. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that incredible? I just think that's... Amazing. You obviously think you're so, you're so amazed by it that you just oh, can't say anything. But it is. It's amazing. You know, we are seated in a place that we could never, ever, ever attain ourselves. So God can point to us. This is even better. He can point to us in future ages as an example of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. He's going to point to me and he say, you want to know how much my love or what my love is like look at Graham Coyle I mean you wouldn't immediately think that looking at me right now I would forgive you for for thinking that that you wouldn't look at me and say oh yeah that's how good God is but I can look at each of you because that's what God's going to do and say that's how good my love is because of all those people there and a whole load more besides that don't know it yet uh, so excited I lost my place. I'll, I'll just jump in somewhere else. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Isn't that good news? It is good news. Thank you for liking that. For we are God's masterpiece. We are his poetry. We are his, his beautiful tapestry. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Okay, that's part of what Jesus was saying when he is finished, but that's not what I want to focus on. I want to focus on this. You see, all of that stuff that, that we get in salvation and all that stuff that's available to anybody who doesn't know Jesus, that's available completely free, without any cost at all to them, is wonderful. 
But Jesus only got there because he was crucified. And we can only get there when we embrace his crucifixion. In other words, we have to die. We cannot know anything of the goodness and grace of God unless we are prepared to go through a a type of death ourselves. Cheryl spoke on this um, two weeks ago. Uh, Verse 24, let me find it. If any of you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. If you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. I'm not going to repeat what Cheryl said. She did a great job. But you can't have all the, the good news without going through that experience. It's just not possible. Following Jesus is not a question of, of personal preference. You're dead. If you've, if you've experienced Jesus in the cross, you're dead. Everything about your old life is dead. It's, it was no good. It wasn't taking you anywhere. Well, it was taking you somewhere, but it wasn't somewhere anybody really wants to go. It certainly wasn't toward Jesus. It was just taking you further and further away. You had your own choice. You were making your own choices. At least you thought you were. But it was not going toward Jesus. And the whole, the whole point of the cross is not so we can just find life. The whole point of the cross is so we can die. And then afterwards, we come into a type of resurrected life. As I say, if I had longer, I could, I could take a bit more time over explaining this. But uh, let me read this. This is Romans uh, 6, verse 5. Since we have been united with him in his death, we also will be raised to life as he was. So we've been united with him in his death. Paul said in another place, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I now live, I live through the Son of God. And part of what concerns me about my own life sometimes is that I see myself acting as though I had not been crucified. I see myself acting on my own, out of my own desires, my own volition, my own needs, trying to fulfill those things without realizing that Jesus has met all those and just so that I could inherit his life, he's killed mine off and I have voluntarily stepped into that. You see, we give him everything so that he can give us everything. But if we, if we haven't, if there are, and this is where it can, it can sound a bit confusing, but it makes sense to me. I mean, we are, we are crucified because we have come into new life. But Paul also says we have to reckon that we're dead. We have to, we have to look at it like, a, like doing accounts and saying, yeah, I'm checking that off. That bit's dead. So my, my desire for status or 
or importance or, or my pride to be recognized or anything like that. All of that's dead. And if I don't see that continually as dead, then I will strive for things that are outside of the life of Jesus. And, and what's really worrying is that I might, might achieve them. I might actually get some of the things I want knowing that those things are of no use to me whatsoever. They don't bring glory to God. They don't express the life of salvation. They don't bring goodness to people. It's just me and my selfishness. Uh, let's go on. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. When we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. So this is the strange thing, you see, because my crucified life is dead. It's like, imagine, it's there, it's laid out on the floor. The tendency to want to sin, my old sin nature died with it. I no longer have to sin. I have a choice. So when I sin, I've only got one person to blame, me. I can't blame you. I can't blame society. I can't blame my parents. I can't blame the government. It's only me because I'm actively allowing something that is dead to have life and to, to dominate my life. One of the things that people say sometimes about us as a church is, excuse me, <coughs> we don't talk about sin very much. Um, here's what I have to say about sin. Let's not do it. Because we don't have to. If we've met Jesus, if we've entered into and shared with him the same crucified experience, that doesn't mean we, we die and actually it's, uh, we get on to think about baptism, it's, it's symbolized in baptism and in baptism there is a type of death. We, we die to our old lives, we, we come a, a alive to the new life in Jesus. But we don't have to enter into sin at all. In fact, uh, John in, in his letter says, uh, you don't have to sin. If you do, you've got an advocate who will appeal on your behalf and find you forgiveness because forgiveness is complete, as you know. And that forgiveness is for all the things I did and for all the things I will do. But we have an advocate who can deal with that, but only because we have accepted the fact that uh, our lives, are, our old lives are dead. Completely dead. So however long you've been trucking along with your old life, that's a slightly old-fashioned phrase, isn't it, trucking? Um, anybody under the age of 40, that will be meaningless to you. Okay. But all of you over the age of 40 now are going, oh, I've never heard anybody say that. You're lying. You have. Okay. Um, but if we're just going along without realizing that, that we have no need to be responding to sin in our lives, then we're, we're just missing the beauty of what Jesus has done. And some, some Christian uh, traditions, they would teach that but then they kind of stop there and they don't get into the next bit which is where we started which is all the good stuff that Paul outlines in Ephesians and Galatians and and everything else 
In fact, talking of Galatians, nice segue there. See what I did? Try to remember which verse it is. Galatians 2.20. It says this. My old self has been crucified with Christ. Just stop and think about that for a minute. Just There's good news after this, but just imagine yourself. Imagine yourself crucified with him. I'm not asking you to, to go through some kind of ritual or, or, or you know, making up some kind of experience that isn't there, but in the same way that Jesus died, we die with him. My old self is crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in each of you. Christ lives in each of you. I think that's brilliant. That is so wonderful. Christ lives in each of you. The life, oh, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We can enter completely into that trusting relationship when we are completely dead. If we don't acknowledge our death, we can't enjoy the benefits of the life because we're, we're kind of caught in between. We're in this sort of in-between world. Like, um, uh, part of what I grew up in used to have this, this phrase. When they were talking, talking about the problem of Christian sinning, they say, oh, yeah, well, your old man, he's, he's dead, but he won't lie down. I'm sorry, he's dead, but he's dead. Or she's dead, but she's dead if your old life was a female one. You can choose to enter into something that's not good for you, but that's, that's not because your old life isn't dead. That's because you're just being dim. Or you don't know that something isn't good for you. And our, our lives as Christians is a glorious continual revelation of us understanding more and more of the beauty of the will of God and the life of God. And the, the incredible thing about his love is the more we learn about him, the more he allows us and trusts us to live in the choice that he's placed in us as human beings. And that's the, the, the brilliant thing. Because we're not automatons. We're not... We're not simply robots who, who don't have any choice about things. When he knows he can trust us to make the right choice, and when I make the right choice, he says, hey, that's a great choice, Graham. Why don't you do that? Because, it's, because my, my life is, and my mind and my thinking has become so molded by his grace that my responses automatically mirror his more and more and more. I've noticed that in my life. Because I'm older than I used to be. Some of you will have noticed that too. And I've noticed some things are less of a struggle. Because I'm learning to allow my heart and my mind and my will and my emotions and my soul to be guided by his spirit. Our lives 
in Jesus are not really, are not just simply a matter of our personal preference. It is a matter of knowing his will and choosing to, to follow that. Because the, the thing that we would have done no longer has power over us. And that's what we celebrate. We're going to use these little uh, plastic cups. Let me, if you haven't been used to using these, let me tell you, they taste horrible. So just, just prepare yourselves for it. If you were sensible enough to bring your own stuff with you, well done. Um, I find personally, in times of change, my tendency to want my own way is challenged more than usual. We are going through massive change as a church. Okay, we're meeting in an afternoon. Not everybody likes meeting in afternoons. We're meeting in different buildings. Not everybody likes meeting in different buildings. We're still using live streaming. Not everybody likes using live streaming. We haven't got all the, uh, the, the group structure that some people want. Not everybody likes that. I'm sorry. But we're not going to change just to suit your preference. We're trying to follow the spirit of Jesus. And he's taking in a certain direction. And we are trying to go that way. And that's why when we have a meeting like this coming Friday... We all want to be there because we're all part of these decisions, even though we've got a leadership. We're trying to, to lead in the same direction that everybody's going. And so I, I just want to say to us, look, when we get upset about stuff or we don't like things, just check what it, where that's coming from in you. Check, is, is that coming out of the crucified life that you have voluntarily given up to Jesus? Or is it coming from somewhere else? Uh, if it's coming from somewhere else, it's not going to do you any good and it won't do anybody else any good. The only thing which will work for us is knowing the desires of God and following those. Okay, and I thought it would be good if we shared communion together at the end of this. Um, the band are going to come back up and uh, hopefully musicians, wherever you are, don't leave it, don't leave it to, up to me, guys, because that isn't going to work well. Uh, let me also say with these little jigger things, so the, the wafer is the white thing on the top. You have to peel the top part off and don't drop the wafer. Okay, otherwise it'll end up on the floor and then you'll be thinking, is there, you know, is there a three-second rule for communion wafers? I don't know. And then, and then you've got the, uh, uh, the juice in the, in the bit underneath. Okay, but joking aside, I think there's, there's a significant challenge in this for all of us. I think... We want to know that there is nothing in our old lives that's trying to convince us that it has power over us. It has no power. You are free from it. If you have met Jesus, if you have given your life completely to him, you are free from everything in your old life. And if you're not sure about that, then... 
talk to somebody. Talk to somebody that you like the look of, uh, or, uh, or me, and, <laughs> um, and we'll talk with you and we'll pray with you. But as you take this, and we're not, we're not going to do it in the usual way, say, okay, well, let's just take the, the, uh, the wafer or the bread and, and let's take the, the juice. Um, do it in your own time as the uh, uh, musicians are going to lead us in worship. Uh, uh, Josh, can you come back up when they start and then you just close the whole thing off for us. But um, do some business with, with the Lord in this action, even, even though these, these things are so simple re- as representations. They do represent the most profound and powerful action in the entire universe. Nothing is more significant than the death of Jesus. So if you're a couple, you take this together or on your own, however you want to do it. I'm, I'm not going to try and uh, suggest that, but um, the team are going to play. Uh, uh, let's pray, and then uh, I'm going to hand over, well, hand over to the team, and then Josh will come and, and close off after the, the team. Father, we, we acknowledge the death of Jesus. We acknowledge that it finished the power of sin and death for good. It was never, ever going to come back from that. Jesus triumphed. Jesus triumphed over everything. He broke its power. And he broke its power over us so that we can enter into that triumph and know complete freedom. And I thank you, just for me, I thank you for setting me free and when there are things when I'm not living in the fullness of the life that you have won for me then forgive me forgive me and and Holy Spirit point it out to me so that I can just stop and for all of us we ask the same thing we want to live representing you in the best way possible so that we can love and give and heal and uh, do all the incredibly wonderful things that we did not have the power to do previously. But in the Holy Spirit, we now have that power. So we take this, this bread and this wine, we take these things and we celebrate your death and we celebrate your resurrection until the time when you come and complete everything. And we declare together, it is finished.